You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Thank you guys so much for letting me do this. We're going to be looking at two passages tonight. First passage is going to be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5, we're going to read one verse there, and then we're going to move on to Romans, and look at a couple verses in Romans chapter number 12. Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll read verse 17. Thank you guys so much for letting me do this. I love preaching here, love you guys so much, and um, there's nothing better than uh, just being a part of this church. You guys are a blessing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we'll start there. The Bible says, Wherefore... Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So right there we see, be ye not unwise of what the will of the Lord is. So right there we see that, for one, there is a will of God, there is a will of the Lord, and there also is negative repercussions for being unwise about what the will of God is. It's important for us to know the will of the Lord. We need to be of understanding. We need to know what the will of God is. It's important in the Christian life to know God's perfect will for your life. And we can understand that and we can know God's perfect will for our lives. We see that in Romans chapter 12. Turn with me if you would there. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter number 12 verses 1 and 2. Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So right there, first off, we see it's wrong to not know the will of God. It's unwise and it's wise to know the will of God for your life. And Paul breaks it down here on how to find the perfect will of God in your life. Paul says that we can actually prove the will of God. And he challenges the church here to present our bodies to God. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. And now this, what he's saying there in Romans chapter number 12, is actually a reference back to the Old Testament when the high priest would offer the sacrifice in the temple. And when he would do that, the glory of God would fill the temple and the fire would be burned down on the brazen altar. So when he's saying that there, he's going back to the Old Testament practices of the high priest and the fire of the Lord. And did you know something though? The same way the Old Testament, the same way the fire came down on the sacrifice in the Old Testament is the exact same way the fire can come down in our life as well. Because the Bible says that our body is a temple. In the New Testament, our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And when it's presented right, it will cause the Shekinah glory to shine in our hearts. Amen. So the same exact way that happened in the Old Testament when the high priest would sacrifice that lamb or whatever it was and the fire would come down and the glory would show up, that same exact thing can happen to New Testament believers who present their bodies a living sacrifice. And Paul in these two verses actually breaks down how to prove the will of God and how to get that Shekinah glory in your life. So that's what we're going to be looking at here tonight, how to prove the will of God, proving the will of God in your life 
for believers. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you so much, Lord, for saving my soul, Lord, and just being my best friends, Lord. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me, Lord, and I just love you so much. Just such a great God. Thank you so much for this church and um, allowing me to be here tonight, Lord. Thank you so much for every single individual in here, Lord. They just blessed my hearts, and I ask that you just help them. Help them look towards you. Help them see your perfect will for their lives, and just show up in a mighty way tonight, Lord. Take away every ounce of me, Lord, every ounce of selfishness, every ounce of me whatsoever in this message. Help me hide behind the cross of Jesus Christ and just uh, speak through me tonight and help me preach your word, your truth uh, with boldness and confidence, Lord. Open up our hearts for the message tonight. I love you so much, Lord. You're my best friends, my Savior, my King, my everything. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us that we can prove the will of God. And in these two verses, he tells us how to obtain that perfect will of God for your life. He starts off in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, giving us some requirements or some obligations that we need to do. So first off, we see the obligation of the will of God. To obtain the perfect will of God for your life, you need to follow this obligation. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice... Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he starts off by saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I encourage you, brethren, people who are saved by the grace of God, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I encourage you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, because it's your reasonable service. So we start off by saying the mercies of God. What are the mercies of God? Because he's saying, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you by the mercies of God. Well, to understand that, we need to look back in Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans chapter 11. It's actually referring to the preceding chapters in Romans chapter, uh, in the book of Romans. Romans 1 to Romans 11 is referring to the mercies of God. Because in the book of Romans, he actually highlights some things that we have in Jesus Christ. Highlights some mercies of God that we can apply to our lives. And he's saying, because of these mercies, you need to present your body a living sacrifice. So to understand the obligation of the will of God, we need to look at the mercies. Let's go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 all the way to Romans chapter 3, we see the sinfulness of man. How we are under condemnation. How we are on our way to hell. But then uh, we see in chapter 4 the substitution for man. So in chapters 1 through 3, we see the sinfulness of man. That all humanity is condemned, all people have sinned. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sins and come short of the glory of God. So that's the, the first three things that we see there. We see the sinfulness of man. But then in chapter 4, we see the substitution for man. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us and how we are justified by faith, justification by faith, and how are, we are no longer condemned, we're no longer under condemnation whatsoever, but saved by the grace of God. So that's the first mercy that we see, the substitution for man, how Jesus Christ died in our place. But then in chapter 5, we see the sufficiency for man, how we've got the grace now. We're not only saved, but we've got God's grace supporting us and making it sufficient so we can live a great life for the Lord. That key verse is in verse 8 of chapter 5. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's the sufficiency for man. And then in chapter 6 through 8, we see the support 
for me. So not only are we justified, not only do we have the grace of God helping us and making it sufficient for our daily lives, but now we've got supports to help us on our journey. We've got sanctification and we've got victory. Not only are we saved by the grace of God, but we now have victory to live a righteous life for the Lord. We can put off the old man. We can put off all of the trials that come our way. We, I preached a couple weeks ago on Romans chapter 8 and the eternal security of the believer and how nothing can condemn us and we cannot lose our salvation. Chapter 6 through 8 references that fact, how we've got victory in Jesus. We've got support for man. And then in chapters 9 through 11 of Romans, we see sovereignty over man. So in those chapters, we see how Israel turned from God and God went to the Gentiles. How because Israel turned their face on God, God now made salvation possible to the Gentiles. That's us. And we see that here. We see that mercy of God as well. So we see the substitution for man, sufficiency for man, support for man, and sovereignty over man. And he's saying there, because of these mercies of God, because of these things, we ought to hand ourselves over to him. Basically what he's saying there, Paul is urging us, urging his brothers and sisters in the Lord, and he's saying, let's just be reasonable for a few moments. Let's just be reasonable and think about all that God has done for you, how he saved your soul and he picked you up from a devil's hell. He put you on a solid foundation, that solid rock, and not only are you justified, but you are saved. You've got the grace of God getting you through life, amen. You've got a victory over temptation, victory over trials. You're not only justified, but you're sanctified. You're not only sanctified, but you're saved by the grace of God. You've got a support Order, an intercessor, an advocate, propitiation, able to help you on your daily life. He's saying because of these things, it's only reasonable for you to present your body a living sacrifice. That's the obligation of the will of God. And now notice how Paul says it there. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That word beseech means encourage or urge, exhort. In a, in a sense, basically, it's him pleading with you or begging with you, saying, I'm telling you, think about this now. Think about it for a few moments. I'm telling you, it's only right to serve the Lord. It's only reasonable to give your life, to give your all to your Savior who saved you from a literal burning hell. He's basically begging with us in that sense. He's, wants, he's urging us because he knows that not only is it our reasonable service, but he knows that it's better for us if we do that. Amen. He knows that we can actually have that true joy, and he knows that the Shekinah glory will show up in our hearts and in our lives if we do that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So that's the obligation of the will of God. The obligation is for us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. But there's an order involved with that. There's steps that you have to take. So we see the obligations of the will of God, but number two, notice the order of the will of God as well. Look again at verse one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And again, what I said beforehand, how it was a picture in the Old Testament uh, about how you, they were to sacrifice the lamb and how the glory showed up. He's still basically adding to that and referencing the Old Testament once again. So we see back in the Old Testament, there were things that they had to do with the lamb before it was put on the altar. First off, the sacrifice must be exhibited. It must be viewed, right? So the people, when they would find their lamb that met all of the requirements or so they thought... They had to take it to the house of God. They had to take it and show the high priest. Number one, in our lives, 
And back in the Old Testament, the lamb was to be led. It was to be led to the house of God. See, the people had to take the lamb to the house of God, and no other place was acceptable. They had to take it to the temple. And that's the same thing with us. It is the will of God for you to be in church. It's not about feeling led. It's the will of God. The Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You see, we should be led to the house of God. We should come to the house of God whenever the doors are open. That's the first thing the lamb had to do. He was brought to the house of God. So we see the lamb was to be led. But not only that, but the lamb was to be lively as well. Bible says that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, the lamb that they brought to the house of God was not a sluggish lamb, a lamb that was unmotivated. The lamb was to be active, energetic. It was the best of the flock. We need to apply that to our lives. You see, it's our reasonable service to get excited and energetic about what the Lord has done in your life. It's our job to get excited. It's our reasonable service to say hallelujah and praise the Lord and to get excited about what the Lord's doing at Point Baptist Church. Amen. To get excited that the Lord saved your soul, amen. Saved your family souls, your friends' souls. We got to get excited about that. It's our reasonable service to be lively and motivated and passionate about the work of the Lord. He says, that's your reasonable service. Right. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. Now, I th found that interesting. I looked up the term reasonable service and looked up at what that word meant. And it's very interesting. The term reasonable service literally means logical ministry. Hmm. Reasonable service, logical ministry. Now, that's not talking to the man of God. That's not talking to the preachers and teachers. He's saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Brethren are the saints by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your logical ministry, Good. your logical ministry. So right there, we need to be lively, not only about what God's done for you, but about the ministry. We need to be passionate about the work of the Lord and about the ministry in your life. It's talking about your ministry. Do you have a ministry? The Bible says you do. Are you going out and witnessing? Are you trying to be an example to your colleagues at work? Are you handing out gospel tracts? Are you being a witness? And are you passionate about the saving of souls? Are you passionate about souls that are lost and on their way to hell? Do you believe that? Do you have a, a motivation, a zeal to go out and witness? Are you lively? Are you presenting your body a living sacrifice? So we see that there. The sacrifice must be exhibited. It must be viewed. But not only that... The sacrifice must be endorsed as well. You see, it wasn't enough for the sacrifice to pass the eyes of the people. It had to pass the inspection of the high priest. So the people would take this land. They thought it met all of the requirements. On their, the outside, it looked like that. But they had to take the lamb to the house of God and show the high priest. You see, we have a high priest as well. Amen? It wasn't just for the people. The high priest had to endorse the lamb. The high priest had to look at that lamb and say it was fit for a sacrifice. You see, that's the same way with us. God cannot just use any kind of life. He needs to use a life that meets all of those requirements. You see, the lamb needed to be holy. It needed to be complete. It couldn't have been a half a sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. Holy, acceptable unto God. 
You see, if we want to have the fire come down on the altar, if we want the glory of God in our lives, we need to be holy and acceptable unto God. We need to live the life that the Lord has for us. We need to follow the teachings of this book, holy and acceptable unto God. But I found this interesting. The word holy there, bear with me for a minute, the word holy there is actually closely related to the word holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, holy. Now the word holy means completely, entirely, to the fullest. So he's saying, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Completely and acceptable. You see right there, we need to be surrendered completely and to the fullest. We need to be holy and acceptable. Our high priest will not take a half a sacrifice. Right. You can say, I'm giving my life to you in this sense, but I can't give you this part. I can't give you this part of my life. It's too hard for me. It's too precious to me. God's not going to use you. The glory of God is not going to show up in your life. He needs you to be surrendered completely. He would not take a half a lamb and sacrifice it. It was all or nothing. You see, we need to be completely surrendered. We need to sacrifice completely. Because without it, the high priest is not going to endorse us. Our high priest will not take a faulty sacrifice. So the sacrifice must be exhibited. It must be endorsed. Thirdly, the sacrifice must be examined. Examined outwardly and inwardly. The high priest would come. He would look at the lamb and see all of these inspections, do all these inspections, and see if it met all the requirements, and to see if it was faulty or not. He would look at it and see if it had any blemishes, any scars, if it was sick or anything like that, if it met all the requirements of God. And he would look at it in six different ways. Six ways outwardly and six ways inwardly. First off, notice the outward examinations that the high priest would do on this lamb. Number one, he would examine the legs. So the high priest would take this lamb and he would walk the lamb. And as he would walk the lamb, he would look and see if it had any bruises any broken legs, anything like that, to see if it was walking crooked, and he would see if it was walking properly. You see, a lot of people dedicate their lives to God. They, they surrender to the Lord. Then soon after, they wonder why there's no power. Why isn't the Lord showing up? Why isn't the Lord showing up in my life? God is probably going to watch you walk for a while. Amen? He's probably going to watch you walk for a while to see if you're going to still walk on the straight and narrow or walk crooked. He's going to see that if you're able to withstand, no matter the circumstance, no matter the trial, if you're truly surrendered, he's going to test you. He's going to walk you and see if you're walking crooked. So first off, we would see that he, the high priest would examine the legs. Secondly, though, he would examine the eyes. He'd examine the eyes for cataracts, impaired vision, anything like that. Now that applies to us having the wrong vision, right? Are we sacrificing ourselves for the right things or the wrong things? Are we doing it for the wrong reasons? Are we surrendering to the Lord and coming to church and doing all this stuff for the right reasons, for the glory of God, for God to get the praise, for souls to be saved? Are we doing it for people to notice us, notice what we're doing, to to get recognition? He would examine the eyes. Thirdly, though, the high priest would examine the ears. See if he was hearing right, impaired hearing. That has to do with us. What are you listening to? Are you listening to the gossip in church or the gossip at work? Are you listening to right music or wrong music? Are you listening to vulgar language? What are you letting your ears ears listen to? 
He would examine the ears. Number four, he would examine the nose for impaired smell. This has to do with us sticking your nose in places you shouldn't, right? Who are you hanging around with? Are you hanging around with the right people? Do you have your nose in the right place or the wrong place? Where has your nose been recently? He would examine the nose. Number five, the high priest would examine the mouth for impaired eating. That has to do with us taking in the wrong things. What are you taking in on a daily basis? Are you looking up things on the internet that you shouldn't? Are you on YouTube? Are you, are you looking up pornographic websites, anything like that? Reading articles that you shouldn't? Are you watching the wrong movies? Amen. Are you watching the wrong TV shows? All of those things, if you're doing any of those things, God cannot take your sacrifice. God cannot show up in your life if you're not willing to get those things right. The high priest would examine the mouth. And then finally... He would examine the skin. He would look over and look for any blemishes, scars, or torn skin. You see, God can't use blemishes. God cannot use you if you have unconfessed sin in your life. God has saved you. The Bible says he's our supporter. We see that in chapter 8. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we're not willing to confess our sins and get it right, God cannot use you. The high priest would examine the skin. Now that's all of the outward examinations, the outward inspection, those six things. But not only that, we see the inward examinations as well. You see, sometimes the lamb looked right outwardly. But the high priest would kill the animal, open the body, and look inside to see parasites, infection, and corruption. You see, man may pass the world's inspection outwardly, but it is not enough. He must be inspected inwardly as well. You see, I think a lot of us fall into that category. We meet all the requirements on the outside. We look the part of the Christian. We look saved. We, we don't miss church whatsoever. But on the inside, we've got corruption. Amen. On the inside, we've got jealousy. We've got bitterness. We've got wrath. We've got all of those things that cause us not to be a correct sacrifice. All of those things cause us to fall short of God's standards of a sacrifice. And God cannot use that. So what are the inward Examinations. What are the things that the high priest would look for? Well, actually, we have a list of infections that disqualify our examination in Ephesians chapter number 4. Turn with me there if you would. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31. Ephesians 4, verse, verse 31. These are a list of infections that disqualify us in our examination. The Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Right there we see six things that would disqualify us. Six infections that disqualify us from the Lord showing up. Number one, we see bitterness. Let all bitterness. Bitterness has to do with spoiled attitude. Not having the right attitude. We see in Hebrews chapter 12 that the the root of bitterness causes many to be defiled, the Bible says. Bitterness can ruin churches, can ruin your life. The Lord cannot bless you if you're bitter. That's number one. Number two, wrath. That has to do with violent anger, throwing fits, 
See, a lot of times we think that's a kid thing, throwing fits, but I want you to really ask yourself this. If you or, or your loved one or something like that, I can't, I, I bet you more than one time or at least once in your life, you've thrown a fit, you've thrown some chairs, you've gotten mad, maybe you punched a wall, something like that. That has to do with wrath. Right. That's something I've done before, I'm not going to lie. That's something that we all struggle with in one form, of an, one form or another. That's wrath, bitterness, wrath. Number three, we see anger. Now that has to do with hostile feelings or displeasure because you've been hurt. Do you have anger? Are you, have you been hurt before and you just can't get over that anger? That anger leads to wrath, which leads to bitterness, which ruins churches, which takes the joy out of your life. We see anger there. Number four, clamor. Now I found this interesting. I looked up the word clamor and it literally means loud threatenings. You ever have somebody that just keeps trying to push your buttons, push your buttons, push your buttons, and finally you get angry and say, are you going to stop? If you don't do that again, I'm going to do this. You better not take one more step. Loud threatenings. Clamor. Number five, we see evil speaking. That has to do with mentioning the faults of others who are not there. You ever do that? Talk bad about somebody who's not there? Talk bad about their faults? I've done that. I read that. I had to confess my sin right there. Because I thought of one thing instantly. I had to confess my sin. And that's something I'm working on. Evil speaking. Mentioning the faults of others who are not there. And then number six, malice. That has to do with taking pleasure in the suffering of another. You see, we see all those things, the outward examinations. You can meet all those requirements, but the inward examinations are the things that you need to get right, amen. It doesn't matter if you look the part on the outside. If the inside is corrupted, if the inside is infected, God will not use you. The glory of the Lord will not show up in your life. The fire will not come down on the altar. We see the outward examinations. That's the order of the will of God. So we see the obligations of the will of God, how it's our reasonable service, our logical ministry to present our bodies a living sacrifice. The order of the will of God, getting right outwardly and inwardly. But then number three, we see the outcome of the will of God. You see, when the high priest found a lamb that passed inspection, he would put it on a brazen altar and the fire would consume the sacrifice. Now, the only problem is the fire would only fall on a true sacrifice. Say the high priest didn't do his job or missed a couple things, the fire would not come down. Now you can say, Michael, I'm doing all of these things right. I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice. I'm following this order. I've, I've looked at myself outwardly and inwardly, but the fire is still not coming down on the altar. What am I doing wrong in my life? Well, we see right here. Why isn't the fire falling? Number one, all throughout biblical history, fire never fell on an empty altar. You see, true sacrifice and true surrender is costly. It's going to cost you something. There has to be a sacrifice for the glory of God to show up, and it's going to cost you something. We see that in the Old Testament. David, in 2 Samuel 24, 24, he talks about a sacrifice, and he says, I cannot um, sacrifice to the Lord if it costs me nothing. Right? He says, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. You see, a lot of Christians do that today, right? They want to surrender to the Lord. They, they want to uh, surrender to preach or surrender to missions or surrender and, and, and sacrifice to the Lord. But they want to sacrifice the things they don't care about. 
They want to sacrifice things that don't cost them much. I'm telling you right now, if you are truly surrendering, you'll go to Africa tomorrow if God called you to do that. I'm talking to myself right now, too. That scares me. Amen. That scares me. But that's the truth. If I'm truly surrendered, it's going to be costly. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Whatever God tells me to do. You see, fire would not come down on an empty altar. Secondly, fire wouldn't fall as long as as the priest had his hands on the sacrifice. The fire wouldn't fall if his hand was on the sacrifice. Is your hands on the sacrifice? Maybe you're saying, hey, I'm doing everything right. I'm looking at it outwardly. I'm I'm getting right in my life. I've been sanctified. I've got rid of all of those temptations, all of those things that I was struggling with before. And I'm willing to do it all for the Lord. I'll do this and I'll do that. I'll do that. But I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it this way. I'll do anything you tell me to do, Lord, but not that. You're keeping your hand on the sacrifice. The fire will not fall and the glory of God will not show up. If you have your hands on the sacrifice, you need to take your hands off your life and serve him no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what he calls you to do, take your hands off and then the fire of the Lord will come down. The fire will fall only when you give up, take your hands off the sacrifice and hand over your life to God without reservations. Are you doing that? Has the glory of the Lord showed up? If it hasn't, Maybe you got your hand on the sacrifice. But now, if you take your hands off the sacrifice, you will finally see the glory. Amen. That brings us to the proof of being in the perfect will of God. You see, the proof of being in the perfect will of God was the fire burning and the glory descending. You see, you can say, Michael, how do I know if that's happening? How do I know if I'm in the perfect will of God? Is glory going to descend from heaven? No, but the Bible says that our bodies contain the fire and glory. We've got the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Amen. Amen. Our body's a temple. Our bodies contain the fire and the glory. And when the right sacrifice is presented, the glory will come down. Amen. The glory will shine through. We see that. In verse 2 of Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Now I looked at that word transformed there, and transformed comes from the Greek word metamorphosis. And that indicates change from the inside out. Now, I found this, found this very interesting. That term transforms, that term metamorphosis is used twice in reference to Christ's transfiguration. His transfiguration. We see that in Matthew 17, too. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the lights. Metamorphosis, change from the inside out. Jesus' brightness was his inner person shining through. You see, that's the glory of the Lord. Jesus coming out, amen. Jesus' brightness shining through. How many of you are saved by the grace of God tonight? If you're saved, you've got Jesus Christ living inside of you. You've got the glory of God in your hearts. And if you present your bodies a living sacrifice, if you're willing to do it all for the Lord, whatever it takes, and you've got that personal relationship that's strong, I'm telling you, you're going to shine through, amen. Jesus Christ is going to shine through you, and you'll be changed into his image. You know all those people that you look up to? You see 
these great men of God that I, I long to be like. Amen. There's so many people that have done so much for the Lord. I'm telling you, the glory of the Lord showed up because they're letting Jesus shine through them. They presented their body a living sacrifice, holy, completely, and acceptable unto God. The glory of the Lord can shine through you as well, but you have to follow the obligation, a living sacrifice. Follow that order. Get, some sin, get your sins right. Get your sins confessed. Yeah. And then the outcome will be the fire coming down and the glory showing up. Let's all stand with every head bowed and every guy closed. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that we're in the perfect will of God. We can know the perfect will of God tonight. Because the will of God is just being filled with the Spirit. The will of God is surrender. Presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. A lively sacrifice. A passionate sacrifice. Because it's your reasonable service. If you've got some sins that you need to work on, if you're, you're not truly surrendered into your life, the glory of God will not show up in your life. You want to see the fire down on the altar? Maybe you should come to an old-fashioned altar tonight and get right. As Sony come plays softly. You can prove the will of God. You can find that perfect will of God. But it takes presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. I like what our preacher says. He talks about presenting your bodies like a gift, a present. Giving it to God. Have you gave your life to the Lord fully? Maybe you surrendered long ago. But there's some things that you're struggling with. Some things now that you're not willing to give up. I don't know if there's anybody in here who has met all the requirements of those inward examinations. I know I haven't. There's some things that I had to get right right there. 